This is the most successful solo artist debut in recorded history, correct? It still wow. is. The best-selling debut album by a singer-songwriter ever. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Christopher Cross. Oh, Sailing. Oh, it's sailing. Christopher Cross Sailing. I hate that song. Oh, <laughs> it's the worst. Oh, it hurts my feelings. It's so bad. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. How are you on this fine Wednesday? Timmy, how are you? Yeah, man. I am hanging in there. Uh, Ben, you're in Knoxville. Jeff, you're in Berkeley. Still sheltering in place? Shelter away. Although, next podcast, I will be in a new, as yet undisclosed location. That's uh, correct. The family unit is on the move. So, we'll see how that goes. Well, I see you're still wearing your mask, even on this podcast. I like to be very in safe. In preparation, just to be ready. <laughs> That's uh, well, welcome. It is uh, 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. And we go through each year and try to determine the best song of each year. And there are all sorts of definitions we have at play. Uh, this is the first time I don't know what I'm going to pick. Here we are in the podcast. Oh. I have four, four choices. And it's Wait a minute, I thought come... it was Benny Mardonius. I thought you'd already made up your mind. It, I it thought watched not... the video. That's your favorite song, period, right? That, we're actually <laughs> not going to start uh, with, with Benny Mardonius. Instead, we're going to start with John Lennon. Because in 1980, John Lennon uh, is shot by December Mark 8th, right? David Chapman. Uh, I, I know it was a Monday night, right? Because Howard Cosell was the one who broke the news during Monday night football. Yep. So I figured that's a great place to start. And, and you're going to play us a sample of a song that's actually going to be released in 81, Jeff. Either of you um, stay at home during any time uh, when you were raising your kids? Any of you take time time off of work professionally? Uh, yes. Ben, did. did you? I did. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, not not a role that I think our fathers ever played. At least my dad didn't. I don't know about your y'all's dad. No, no. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I remember. I remember staying home uh, for a year with Patrick, and then stayed home for, for a year with Henry. 
John Lennon stayed home for, he basically stayed home for six years, I think, or five years. He retired yeah, from music. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, Lennon kind of retired. I mean, after the Beatles, he did a couple of one-off concerts, but he wasn't a working, he put out records, but they were recorded mostly in New York, like blocks from his house. Like, I mean, Lennon, after the Beatles left the road in 1966, never toured again. And uh, I believe he wow. played fewer than 10. I believe he played live fewer than 10 times from 1966 to 1980. But wow, yeah, he I didn't, didn't, he, didn't he didn't release any music at all from 1975 to 1980. And he didn't release any original music from 1973 to 1980 when he passed away. So wow. And it's like, it's an open question. There's a version of this where he's seriously depressed. Yeah. Where he like, yeah. he wakes up every day, eats a bowl of cereal, gets high, and that's his day. Like, and that's it's it. not, I mean, like maybe he's whiling his life away and dreaming, you know, you, like uh, your mileage will vary. You have to figure that out. Right. So he's not, he's not taking Julian to the park or, or no, he might be doing figuring. that too, but I mean, it's, well, he's not like, taking Julian. Julian, he disavowed and didn't speak to for a really long time. Yeah, but Sean. He, oh, Sean, you're right. But Sean. he probably, he probably was taking Sean at least to the hallway. I don't know if he took him outside, but yeah, I'm not sure how often he left the Dakota for no, a while I mean, there. the biographers from that time, exactly, same as Jeff says, that he just didn't leave the apartment very much. Oh, gosh. Which also, but just by the way, though, you can imagine being John Lennon, there's good reasons not to leave your apartment. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's not That's a good true. thing out there. Mark David Chapman. Right, uh, no, but crazy people being like, yeah. hey, Strawberry Fields, Strawberry Fields. You're like, oh, I'm just going to go home and have cereal again. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Do you guys remember the uh, the Saturday Saturday Night Live skit where Sting gets on the elevator? <laughs> it's just like every person's like, "Hey, can I talk about that one song that you wrote? Let me sing sing you a police song." Oh, I haven't. I bet that's um, pretty good. I w- it's uh, too bad Ben never got an air- on an uh, elevator with Sting. Ben would have an earful for him. Oh like, uh, yeah, it wouldn't have been. Why did you take your promising career and throw it in the dumper? <laughs> I'd actually pay a thousand dollars to 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 have a transcript of that conversation. Are, are you saying I should stay away from an uh, Englishman in New York coming yes. up in '88? Should I stay away? <laughs> only if you only if uh, I like my toast done on one side. <laughs> living your truth. So. That's a great. By the way, reference. did you guys hear how great the bass playing was on that track? We played a little bit. That's Tony Levin on bass who went oh, on is that to right? Peter Gabriel's band and have a really really successful session career, but. You can hear it right away. Once you know it's Tony Levin, you can't, you can just recognize his playing. It's a great band on Double Fantasy. All right. And that well, song is great. That's a beautiful that great, song. Beautiful yeah. song. Brilliant. Totally Leonard plays the piano, but, uh, but he is, he's killed outside the Dakota in 1980. So it's like a lot of those conversations were had, a lot of those artists influenced by the Beatles. We're in a whole new era right now. Welcome to the 1980s. Um, uh, ben, I don't know if you saw that I, I put up a clip this morning of Watch Ben's Face. Oh, no, I didn't see it. You didn't see it. For the first time with the Doobie Brothers, there was some excitement um, in your face at the choice the Grammys had made. Yeah, we I had want, a nice little uh, dance party going in the clip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, want, I just want, I want you to know I love those times that we had. Um, oh, it's is 1980 not going to follow along? <laughs> it's going to be very different tonight. Uh, Jeff and I have a bet. Um, what did we say, 25 seconds? Yeah, I got the under, right? You got the under. I've got the Don't over. let me down, Benny boy. 
how long it's going to take you to guess the title and artist of the Grammy winner for 1980. Okay, you ready? It's the Grammy winner. Sailing by Christopher Cross. Got it. Come on, man. Oh, oh, what a stupid song. Ah, that's 26 seconds. I lose. What stupid song is that? I, I know I hate it. Hold on. I know I hate it. It takes forever. But it there's really only three does. minutes left of this stupid song. <laughs> well, it's not far down to paradise. At least it's not for me. Y'all don't have it? Wind is right, you can I'm going to do the stupid chorus. You're going to have to wait a while. Find tranquility. Come on. Yacht Rock. This is a Yacht Rock captain. Yeah, if not the, if not the captain. We're out, we're out of time. Yeah, stop. stop. This is the most successful solo artist debut in recorded history, correct? It still wow. is. The best-selling debut album by a singer-songwriter ever. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Christopher Cross. Oh, Sailing. Oh, sailing. it's Christopher Cross Sailing. I hate that song. Oh, <laughs> it's the worst. Oh, it hurts my feelings. It's so bad. How dare you? I did get uh, that. Sailing, take me away. Okay, now I get yep. it, for sure. Yeah. A disaster. You know, do you remember no. what, the, what the big up-tempo number one hit from that record is? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's um, uh, Michael McDonald is on it, right? Yeah. Ride Like the Wind. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I got such a long way to go. That's the same record. Oh, that's brilliant. That's in 1980? Yeah. 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 Oh, boysers. Good that's stuff. That's hilarious. I, would, yeah. I mean, thank goodness it's actually a good sign that my brain has erased that. <laughs> well, let's see what was happening also in 1980, see what, see what resonates with the two of you. So we're 10 years old at this point. Um, yeah. CNN launches. So we had ESPN last year, CNN this year. You've got the Rubik's Cube. Oh, that thing. Pa- Pac-Man, the arcade Can I just game. Quick, did both of you learn Sorry. how to solve the Rubik's Cube? Uh, I have not. I'm still working on it. Ben? No, I never you- solved it. It actually makes me feel good because I actually last year went on and found one of those 14 minute videos of like how to solve the damn thing. And uh, I still can't do it even with a kid <laughs> showing me how to do it. Like, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah my thing. son, my son can do it in like a minute. Right. Michael Kleinberg in the seventh grade was able to solve it in like 30 seconds. So like, that's the only thing I remember about Michael Kleinberg other than his <laughs> name. But I was I was very impressed. Uh, do you remember who shot Jr.? No. Was it a Mr. Burns? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had the Olympic boycott of the Soviet Union in the summer, but in the winter, what happened, Jeff oh, Simons? Miracle on ice, Mike Aruzioni. Do mm-hmm. you believe in miracles? <laughs> Not, I mean, not only one of the greatest upsets of all time, but one of the greatest sports casting calls of That's all a good time. Call for sure. So I, have a great, I have a great memory of that. I was, 
um, my grandfather had just picked me up from the airport in Los Angeles. I was spending a week with my grandparents. I'd flown across the country by myself on Eastern Airlines. He picked me up at the airport and we were listening to the game as we drove home. And when they won, traffic came to a dead stop on oh, the five. And everybody got out of their cars and started honking and <laughs> hugging and crying. And people had flags. It was a, just wow. a spontaneous dance party on the Santa Ana Expressway. That's, That's amazing. Cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. A lot of hockey so, fans in LA. <laughs> just, a lot of, just a lot of patriots, Timothy. Did you, patriots. I, I talked over you, but Pac-Man is 1980 as well? Yes, okay. I spent a, I a good amount good of money. I was not good at Rubik's Cube, but I was really good at Pac-Man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Pac-Man or Miss Pac-Man, Ben? Both. Yeah. Okay, I played actually... Pac-Man for 10 or 15 minutes before I got booted off the machine. And Miss Pac-Man, I'm like, I'm the reigning champ in the neighborhood. I, oh, I'm, I'm a pretty, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty solid Miss Pac-Man player, too. Uh, ben, don't go in with Jeff on uh, Galaga. I oh no no dude galaga i'm out i've seen jeff like galaga i know yeah that. it's it's insane it really is i actually I'm remember sure I i'm a better miss pac-man player than him though oh i think you might be yeah i'm pretty good uh, i can get to the i can get to the levels where the um the, the fruit is randomized no, like no, no have you got there's another level beyond that that's a whole different blue and red yeah color. oh i've only gotten there like a couple of times <laughs> yeah i'm a regular i chill yeah, on that great. area oh that's great no the we, apple we, usually we, takes me a couple of dudes to finish by the way the we job. are um we're losing our, our 25. No, we don't. There's like right eight now. guys right now who are like, yeah, the apple's really hard. Yeah, they're One not and a half 25 seconds. And <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Sad news. Gosh. Mount St. Helens. Yeah. 57 people died in a volcano in America. That's crazy. A summer heat wave in the southern United States causes 1,117 deaths. That's insane. Ronald Reagan wins. We also uh, have the invention of something that is indispensable. I love going back and figuring out when things began and what people did beforehand. Post-it notes. <laughs> you guys don't like post-it notes. No, dude, I'm super into post-it notes. I'm just yeah. like, my silence is affirmation. I love it. Yeah. Do you have post-it notes in front of you on your desk? Oh, dude, I have them all over my screen. Totally. <laughs> okay, good. Do you want to hear my uh, actual post-it note that inspires I, uh, me for work? Training. Are you ready? You have a, you have a post-it note yeah. to inspire you? Yeah, yeah, totally. So it's a German word. And you know how the Germans put several words together to create one word? Yes. So the word Far, is... Nugent. Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> word is Sitzfleisch. Sitzfleisch. So, Sitzfleisch, uh, roughly translated as ass-sit. <laughs> and Sitzfleisch sit is a German-only word... For a task that can be only completed when you sit on your ass and grind through it. Oh my gosh! Wow. Can you? I, I need a spelling of that email to me. Isn't that pretty I'm, good? Isn't that I'm pretty good? I got a, that right there on my screen to remind me what my you know what work is like. Oh my god, that's amazing. I have I have this Janis Joplin screenplay I'm writing, and it's really hard when four kids are at home, and I just need to sit my butt down and and dude, writing is a complete sit flash activity. That's it. That's sit flash. Hashtag shit slice, hashtag feminism. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. Um, let's do the number one hit right now. Um, and I'd love- It's not just sailing? Make, Tell me it's not sailing. I just no, mentioned- No, it's a kick-ass song. I hope you like it. I think the song's great. So, so Jeff, I just mentioned Janis Joplin, and, and, and that'll conjure up ideas. I believe you like, also mentioned that you've been hired to write 
a screenplay about Janis Joplin. That, is that correct? That'll We're also bring up. Timothy. That'll yeah. also bring up ideas of like women in rock and and where are the women in rock? And I'd love for you to draw a line between Janis and this woman. Go. It's the number one hit. Call me by Blondie. Yeah, great song. That's yeah, now I, the best. Yeah, I agree. That the song is just a hit? banger. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's I not it. my absolute favorite Blondie song, but I really like Blondie and I really like that song. You also, you forget that they're not a disco band. Like they're no. legit 70s punk bands that kind of made it big. Unclear yeah. why, but I mean, that uh, song do you remember what? Does anybody remember what film that was the theme song for? Oh, no. Richard Gere and American Gigolo. That's the theme. Oh. Not on a Blondie record. It's the theme from American Gigolo. That's what you're calling in Call Me. So, Richard oh, that's Gere. Cre- that's, that's <laughs> dirty. Uh, all right, where does Blondie come from? Deborah Harry? Is she I, from I think LA? Just, no, they're from New York. They're, oh. they're uptown New York, CBGBs, television, uh, talking heads. Ramones. Uh, Ramones. I mean, like all of those yeah. people from the same spot. It's crazy. Same, same bar, same wow. neighborhood, it's all from the Bowery. I think the straight line for Debbie Harry is from the Andy Warhol's Factory and uh, Nico and the It Girls, right? I mean, I think that she's definitely from that tradition more than she's from the crooning Texas uh, blues belter like blues. Janice. Yeah, yeah. She's a total, she's a different thing. But cool. uh, she was great. I mean, it's funny, like I think she did a pretty remarkable job of rising to the challenge of being uh Someone, I think people expected Debbie Harry to be talentless and good looking. And uh-huh. uh, she's, she's really good. She's a really good rock and roll singer. And from, yeah, right. And uh, made the band better. And was also like, was also uh, th- was really comfortable being a, an object of desire without that being the only thing that was interesting about her. Which right. is, I think she was ahead of her time in that way, actually. She kind of knew how to use it in a yeah, way. Yeah, in a way that didn't feel uh, uh, sublimating to herself. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, so we've done the Grammy. We've done the number one hit. I've, I've got one more uh, factoid from 1980 for the two of you. It's time for a little Price is Right. Ooh. Oh, I wish and, I had that to cue up. And you all are going to um, guess against each other. Who wants to go first with the first guess? Ben. Ben wants yeah, to go first. Sucks, Good job, know. Ben. <laughs> the camcorder debuts in 1980. Yes. So you can have a camera at home and you can take film and it's a VHS home camcorder. 
And I want to know. I think the, we might have had that one. I really think so. Uh, My yeah. mom had a camera that was like bigger than her head. She had a freaking briefcase that she carried yeah. along with yeah, her that, that's that had the, the actual tape in it. It yeah. was so humiliating. Yeah. So I want you to tell me the price difference between a VHS home camcorder and a Pontiac Firebird. Oh, then we didn't have this because we weren't rich. So it must have been a couple of years later. But yeah, okay. okay so. Um, one is more expensive, right? Um, the Firebird's more expensive, but I have to get the, the gap between them. The, the Firebird is more expensive. I will grant you that. And you're going to tell me the gap. I'm going to say $2,100. $2,100. Jeff, what do you think? Uh, I think the difference is $4,000. $4,000. The VHS... Homework camcorder is fifteen ninety nine. That was gonna be my guess. That oh. is expensive oh, for yeah. a little home. That's a fortune. By it the way, a, you it could was buy amazing a, technology though for the time. You could Come buy on. a Pontiac Firebird for five thousand nine hundred and ninety two. Right there. You're on fire. I'm within a hundred dollars. I win both showcases. I'm going <laughs> home with the camcorder and the firebird. I'm the coolest guy in nineteen eighty. Well, by the way, I have a throwback machine. This makes your Indonesia guess even more embarrassing. Isn't it You're incredible? Like, you know, I know the price of a Firebird, but I know nothing about those people in Asia. Just nothing. <laughs> we, never... all have to know, we all have yeah. to know where our strengths are. <laughs> You're right. That, the guess is only going to get worse. I mean, it's... It, <laughs> all right. Well, You're speaking, not wrong with that. Speaking of strengths, <laughs> speaking of homework, there we are. It's Benny... Mardone's um, Into the Night, that was your homework. Uh, did you both watch the video? Sadly, yes. I'm yes. sad to report I watched that. It's, it a, it's, it's a horrifying video, invitation to cynicism. Um, it's hard not to be cynical. Um, but I'm wondering, and this is a question for either of you, have either of you read Lolita? Yes. Yes. Did you like the novel? Uh, sure. I actually liked it. I'm just, I know it's not okay, but I really liked it. I thought it was beautiful. No, no, no. I'm not being, I'm not being like, yeah. eh, because of the subject matter, I found it hard to read. Like, I, I'm not sure Nabokov isn't like uh, James Joyce. Like, I really enjoyed James Joyce when I was in a class reading it with yeah, other people who were working on it. I think that's a great it. point. But I don't, I don't see myself picking him up again like, oh, I, I'll well, do this kill- for fun. What so. kills me is, you know, here, I'm going to write a beautiful novel about awful subject matter. Um, that's, that was kind of his challenge to himself. But he's doing it in his third language, which kills me that English is his third language and he's going to write the novel in English. Um, but this whole idea of a fascination with girls, it comes up not just in Into the Night, but like how many... How many rock songs are there about underage girls? Well, there's one from this year by Sting that quotes Nabokov. Like, don't, yeah. don't stand so close to me as 1980, which is just like that old man in that book by Nabokov. So. That's correct. Yeah, I've got uh, Stray Cat Blues by the Rolling Stones. That's Ooh. bad. I've got Sick Again by Led Zeppelin. Bad. Okay. Um, and this is a little more controversial. Jeff may disagree. 515 by The Who. I, mm. I'm going to go ahead and say that's about having sex with girls under 18. Um, and then, controversially, I've got ABBA's Dancing Queen. 
Why yeah. is she 17 out at the club looking super hot? That's not good. Wait, she's 17? Sweden. Is that good? I, I thought she was 18. Is she 17? No, no. Oh. only 17. Teen. Just 17, Dancing Queen. Dude, the first lyric the Beatles sing on a record is, well, she was just 17, you know what I mean, which is yeah. problematic. Well, I, I included that in the article I wrote for the website. And, uh, you know, I, I really wanted to watch Paul's face as he says those words. And uh, I got no expression uh off of his face because i don't yeah, know I, I i i guess you could sing that lyric you know what i mean dude ariel and the little mermaid is 16 deeply troubling is she really yes it's her 16th yeah. birthday yeah, when she runs away and gets legs. Have really have really caught up to what they should have been basically. yeah right I mean, for God's sakes, Britney Spears was 15 years old when she made the Baby One More Time video, right? Like, how many, there were, there were over 100 Lindsay Lohan 18-year-old countdown websites where the, t- the timer at the top Wait, was- what? How there was many, a, a how many countdown seconds website? Until she's legal. Yeah, countdown to legal websites on that. <laughs> that weekend. I did not remember. Oh. I'm oh. a little worried that you remember that I watched it, Jeff. Dude. <laughs> Trying to get me fired too. I find the whole thing. I talk about this like there's a. I teach a book called The House on Mango Street, which is all about this sure. kind of like when are you when do when does your body become public and when does it uh-huh. become private and when is the moment where you go from childhood to adolescence to adulthood and and uh, we I mean we we I use a whole bunch of other different more modern reference points but uh, yeah I couldn't agree with Ben more like this is a moment where songs about popular culture are going to reveal popular culture in ways that make us uncomfortable. Right. Well, but, and I, I mean, just, all of the songs that I named are a lot better than this shitty song. This <laughs> song's a disaster. The song itself is terrible. Right. I mean, that's just, it's real crime is it's, is it's very existence itself. <laughs> the and then it crime. turns out to be sleazy, but it's not like, yeah. Oh, if only this, if only she were legal, I could enjoy this horrible. Well, shit I do. The video does not. That video help. is, no. you know, sneaking Ooh. into a room with a magic carpet. Oh, dear God. Um, all right. Well, let's say goodbye to um, 1980. I thought you were going to say goodbye to Benny Mardona since he just died, well, too. Um, you were okay. going to get dark there for a second. He did just pass away. We already did our moment of silence for him. Our three songs. Boom. Jeff, you get to go first this week. I'm first this week. I'm very proud of my song. And I'm going to build off the Debbie Harry thing, which is um, uh, one of the places in which rock and roll, uh, rock and roll history does very poorly is um, its presentation of and its uh, support of female artists. It, uh, there is uh, There are long swaths of time where uh, women really struggle to be taken seriously, um, to be identified as musicians first instead of objects of desire first. Um, and they, they frequently are forced to uh, pay, rob Peter to pay Paul in that regard. Um, and then there are a couple of artists who were able to uh, look at the sexuality and the expectations that record companies were gonna have of that and play with them in ways that felt subversive, dangerous, authentic, and maybe even table flipping. And I feel like this band did that, especially on its first record, which is one of my all-time favorites. Um, And this is one of those songs where the video played on a constant loop on MTV because it only had like 40 songs, right? Right, right. Um, And uh, 
And it's an interesting video. If you know what we're talking about, yeah. You, yeah. You, you, you're confident you know what song I'm talking I, about. I think I just got there, yeah. Okay. Um, All on my own. I'm very excited. Um, anyway, this is... Uh, <laughs> this song rocks really hard. It's really unsettling, but it's not unsettling in the ways that Into the Night by Barry Mardonia says. It's unsettling because of the very adult, grown-up nature of it. Like, it's a song about adult sexuality in a moment where most songs were about teenage sexuality. And yeah, as I don't a kid, have it. Yeah. As a kid, I felt, I found it, um, uh, I felt really drawn in by it. Like, I was also, like, f- afraid of it in a way that I think was really good, but I also was, like, compelled by it. Um, and it, I will also give Ben his $1,000 that he owes me back if he can correctly identify the time signature of the oh, pretenders. I'm going to do it without even knowing. Isn't it 7-9 or 8-9? No, but that's, you're, you're, you're getting close. This sorry, is Tattooed what's time, Love Boys. Tattooed what's Love a Boys. What's signature? We'll get there. Okay. Tattooed Love Boys by the Pretenders. Tattooed Love Boys by the Pretenders. Open the 20 doors around her heart's back and leave the Love Boys. I tore my knees up, get tattooed, you cause I need it To find out what the thing was for, I've been reading A man time came to explore I went A-fire, cause I thought Like I like it, little tease But I didn't mean it But you mess with a good stall, you gotta pay Yeah. That's Chrissy Hind uh, wrote the songs, plays awesome. damn good lead rhythm guitar, and uh, she's from Cleveland. And uh, she was kind of scuttering around the Cleveland music scene. She moves to England just when punk breaks. Um, she falls in love with the punk new wave sound. She recruits huh. a band uh, of some really hungry, young, awesome players uh, who take to her songs in a way that no American musicians ever did. Debut album so is cool. uh, on Sire, which is the Talking Heads label, the television label. Um, and they, they jump immediately. It's a very tragic story. Half the band is dead two years later from drug overdoses. Oh. Both the guitarist, oh, yeah. James Honeyman Scott, who was really good and doing really interesting stuff, and the bass player, Pete Farndon, both pass away. Oh. And Hind ha- continues. Hind's got a new record under the Pretenders moniker coming out in two days. What? As we, as we tape this, there's, she's still uh, out there. And... Uh, yeah, I just, uh, uh, and a, a time signature, Tim, is what you count in your head before the measure ends. Most most music is in four time, like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Right. right? Okay. So this, this song, if you listen to it again, you can't one, two, three, four it. So, go. All right. I'm trying, but I'm awkward with the little clicky clicky. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I was like, oh, it's seven, nine, or eight, nine. It's actually both, right? It's 15, eight. It's a measure of seven, eight, and then a measure of eight, eight. So you have to Oh, go so one, first two, of all, three. I'm taking that thousand bucks. I was in the neighborhood. <laughs> that was really close. You can take the money you were going to give me right back. It's fine. You were very uh, close. So eight, the lower number is the number of beats in the, you, that you would expect, and the upper number is the actual beat. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, four, five, wow. six, seven, okay. one, two, three. So I, I mean, 
it's definitely one of the most challenging songs to play. Or to dance okay. to. Era. I mean, it's a banger, yeah, but it's, right. it's a tough, like... Yeah, it's definitely like beat. a... It's a head, yeah, no, it's no. a head bobber, yeah. Anyway, I love The Pretenders, love especially them. the first record, and I love this song. That's my pick. Well, I told you, I, I still haven't decided on my, uh, my song for 1980, but you've just crossed off one, because I had uh, Rass in Pocket by The Pretenders. Which I also love. That's also great. Uh, such a great song, but we've got The Pretenders uh, represented. I don't need to pick them. Uh, any thoughts, Ben? I love that record, and that's a great selection. I mean, Brass in Pocket is actually my favorite song from that record, but this is a great one. Yeah, great and one. And also, the, the, I, like, I, it's actually funny. The reason why this is Jeff's favorite song is because it's so weird. That time yeah. signature thing is just really <laughs> yeah, challenging. It's a really and then weird. the chorus is also like, it just jars. Like, it's, oh, it's really, crazy. Like, knocks you off your feet. It's in 15 yeah. with a bunch of pauses. It's like ba ba da ba 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 one two three four five ba ba da ba 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 da ba ba da ba 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 da. If you can count to fifteen in your head, all the chain, all the wow. The first time you hear it, you're like, "What in the hell? Like, how do they do that?" And like, they must, yeah. It's really, but yeah, the guitar playing that. That's one of the all-time underrated guitar solos. Like that guitar break in the middle of that song is is smoking hot. All right, I gotta listen to that. All right, Ben, on to you and your pick for 1980. Okay, so um, you already picked Meatloaf, which is the either did, the second yes. or third highest selling album of all time. Oh, I know. Indeed, it's, I indeed. First highest selling album of all time is Thriller. Uh huh. Now it's either second or third, depending on count it. Fifty million albums worldwide. Woo! ACDC's Back in Black. Back in Black by ACDC. Go this. Oh yeah, let's go and do it. I'm glad you chose that song instead of You Shook Me because those are the two ones wow. that I was going to choose from. I'll say, uh, <laughs> I'll go, I'll go uh, professional first, like the story of it, and then I'll tell the personal story of it. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, ACDC is an uh, Australian band, and Highway to Hell is their biggest international hit by a mile. Yeah. It's a gigantic leap forward for them, um, and it's the first album that's recorded by a guy named Robert Mutt. John Robert Mutt Lang. Is it Lang? You say Lang, Jeff? All right. Mutt, so, Mutt sounds um, great. <laughs> Robert Mutt Lang. Yeah, that's exactly Dude, right. This guy, uh, first, he's recorded a million albums before that. He does all of the Boomtown Rat stuff from the 70s, all of which is pretty mediocre. Highway to Hell, he finally lands on something, and immediately the lead singer of the band dies. 
Bon Scott gets so oh, right, drunk right, right. in a bar in England, he passes out in the backseat of his friend's Renault and chokes in his own puke. And Ew. the coroner's report says dies of misadventure. Aww. So, and he's actually he's kinda, the second singer sweet. already for ACDC. They've already, he's already the second guy. There was a first guy way, way back in the early 70s. They can't decide what to do. They have an open call, basically, for singers. And they find Brian Johnson, and they actually hit on it perfectly. Yeah. Uh, so I've been making fun of these one-hit wonders, like The Knack, or like we had this actual conversation about The Temptations, who are not a one-hit wonder. But I'm like, why aren't there a bunch of songs that sound like that? Right. And one reason I would think that is because ACDC did that. They were like, we have a, a couple of good songs and we're just going to put out 15 albums <laughs> with those four songs on them yeah. over and over and over again. And I mean, that is praise. Like, yeah, that's believe right. Me, when For Those About to Rock came out, I was like, well, that's also awesome. Even though it's the same as the previous record. Dude, how much is it the same? So Highway to Hell is their biggest hit yet. The first uh -huh. song at Stupid Back in Black is Hell's Bells. They were like, yeah. we need more hell. We need <laughs> a lot more hell. Yeah. Let's just run keep it, going. Run it back. Roll that over. <laughs> um, it's a funny pair with Jeff's song because it's a monstrously sexist, really bad album in that way. I mean, it's got Given the oh, Dog right, right. a Bone on it. Like, it's not yeah. a likable record for sexual politics. That being said, for a 10 and 11-year-old boy, I was like, oh, yeah. Now oh, that's yeah. what we're talking about. A spinal tap, oh, like, sure. yeah. <laughs> Dude, Mutt, uh, Mutt Lang, are you ready? Here's the run. ACDC, Back in Black, 1980. Foreigner 4, 1981. Def Leppard, High and Dry, 1981. Oh, wow. For those about to rock, 1981. It gets better. Pyromania, 1983. Uh-huh. Cars, Heartbeat City. Okay. The car, they're, they're a comeback record. And yeah. then Def Leppard Hysteria 1987, which is like an off-the-hook, massive gargantuan hit. That's the one with yeah. some sugar on me. Like, yeah. But that's, that's it. That's his discography from 80 to 87. And yet... <laughs> that's that not even not, what he's... When he's that's even, not his second best-selling record. There it is! This What's is his second best-selling record, Jeff Simons? The Shania Twain record, because Robert Mutt Lang is also Mr. Shania Twain. No oh, way! So, 1997, <laughs> Shania Twain's Come On Over yeah. sold uh -huh. 40 million records worldwide. It's yep. the still the best-selling record by a female artist. Who is this guy? Better selling than Madonna. It's yep. the best-selling country album of all time, better selling than Garth Brooks or anybody else. That Shania Train record is a freaking monster. Yep. Wow. Hey, uh, I know, I'm not going to ask you, Tim. Hey, Jeff. Yeah. And I, I, I'm going to tell you, I named one song on this Shania Train record. Yeah, I'm how, trying to think. How oh, many um, songs can you name on it? One. Oh, by the way, I'll tell you that, that This Kiss okay. is not by Shania Twain. That's no, that's Faith, that's Faith Hill. Yeah, totally. Uh, oh, isn't she do the I feel like a woman? Is that yeah? Twain? That that's the only one her. I could get. That's the eighth single from the record, <laughs> released in 1999. Stupid album comes out in '97. The eighth single is "Man, <laughs> I Feel Like a Woman." Wow, get that's the only one here. that I, that stayed even remotely in my head. I didn't like. I never liked her. I never liked the it. country version. There's a country song called "You're Still the One" that you would know. Oh, yeah. yeah You're still sure, the sure. one I want. Totally. That yeah. That's her. Yep. That's her. Okay. 40 so million records. Who is this crazy? guy? 
He's the most, I mean, at the exception of George Martin, he's the most successful album producer in the history. We got, we got to get him on the podcast. That's it. That's our, I think he lives on a private Island that is not on any maps. I would assume Robert Mutt Lang lives in a underground bunker. I I have to tell you the end of the Shania Twain story because I I did not know this till I read it on Wikipedia. You ready? So he's married to Shania Twain, and that's why he puts out the record. And dude, he co-wrote all those songs. He's an amazing, yeah. amazing writer. He he like wrote half of Def Leppard's catalog too. Okay, so I won't go through the part where they fall in love. He calls her up. They get married. They make a bunch of records. On May fifteenth, two thousand and eight, a spokesman for Mercury Nashville announced that Twain and Lang were separating. Oh, after Lang had an affair with Twain's best friend Ooh. Marie oh. and Thibod whom he reportedly later began a relationship with. All right, so that's oh, a bad look. But don't worry, okay. Shania got her revenge. Oh, no. Because in 2011, or I'm sorry, yeah. In 2011, Twain married Frederick Thibault, the former husband of her best friend. Still married. Oh, wow. Isn't okay. that awesome? That's, that's amazing. amazing. First of all, I just want to go ahead and be on the record that I like Shania Twain's style. That's how you do it. First of all, if your husband cheats on you with your best friend, you right. marry that woman's husband and you dunk on her all day. <laughs> that is unbelievable. You know that um, those are just the full albums. He also is the producer of individual tracks on Lady Gaga's Born This Way, on all the Brian Adams records, on all the Backstreet Boy records, oh, totally. on all the, all the Celine Dion and Michael Bolton records. I mean, the guy is unbelievable. Also, and then this is, a, if you get this, Ben, you can have another. What, who is the keyboard player that Lang hired to fix the Foreigner 4 record? Oh, I know this, I know this. Both I know the Def Leppard Thomas records. Dolby. And yes! I hate Thomas Dolby. No way! Oh, I love Thomas Dolby so much. Wait, Thomas right, Dolby's so on those I'm records? I'm going to personal now. So the, uh, yeah, the personal is actually about 81. In 1981, December 6th, 1981, I see my first concert that I personally chose. I saw concerts with okay. my parents before that. This is Brendan Byrne Arena. So this is out at the Meadowlands. Yeah, where the Devils Jersey. used to play. Yep. ACDC with Crocus as the opener oh. for those <laughs> about to rock tour. It's wow. a Sunday. It's me and my dad nice. and my best friend from middle school, Marco Puccio. So we're at Brendan Byrne Arena. <laughs> so great. My dad knows nothing about ACDC at all. <laughs> he just knows that I'm like, I really want to go. I really want to go. And he's like, fine, I'll, I'll go. We'll see. So we get there. The set list, first of all, the internet is the single greatest thing that ever happened. The freaking set list is on you the You found internet. it? Yeah, I love sure. it. I, I had several it. memories. The first thing I remember is that, I mean, Crocus, they're a disastrously <laughs> bad metal band that had the hit single, Eat the Rich. So I remember that. <laughs> Then I remember, hey, Jeff, uh, what's the first song every show of that tour? Of uh, For Those About to Rock? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's actually the first song from the last tour, too. It's the first song from the Back in Black tour. Oh, so must, it's not Hell's Bells? They don't it's come Hell's out to the Bells bong. with the bell. They've got yeah. the bell. Right, yeah. of They've course. They've got this huge Liberty Bell thing that says <laughs> ACDC on it. And they send yes. a freaking roadie out to bang on the bell before they come out. Oh, man. And the best Love thing about it. it is that, that's why I said it's the same thing. They did that through the whole Back in Black tour. And you yeah. know for a fact that Angus Young was like, we bought that bloody bell. Yeah. Call it out again. Call it out again. Did they have the cannons going that night too? Oh, Did they bring friends, out the real cannons for the encore. You're ruining oh, the encore. <laughs> yeah, so uh, here's the set list. 
Hell's Bells, Shot Down in Flames, Sin City, Shoot to Thrill. At this point, my dad's like, what is happening? And me and Marco are like, come on, guys, help us. Song five, Back in Black. We're dancing yep. Yep. again. Yep. We're ready to go. Bad Boy Boogie, Rock and Roll Ain't Noise Pollution, The Jack. Ooh. What do you do for the money, honey? Again, not a great oh, moment in feminism. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Highway to Hell, Dirty Deeds Done Cheap, Whole Lot of Rosie, Let There Be Rock. That's the main set. And then are you ready for the callback? Yeah. yeah. You shook me all night long for those about to rock with the cannons. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and a guy got super drunk, sat down next to my dad oh, no. and puked on his feet. Oh, awesome. my dad was like that was really bad i didn't enjoy <laughs> that at all. Here. and then he was also like why was that guy the guitarist dressed up like a child i didn't understand <laughs> that at all i love it i love it your dad was looking for where gordon lightfoot was performing you know <laughs> like i'm taking you to the bottom line next weekend this has got to stop wait, wait, what a great how... what a great concert memory though oh my oh, yes, how... first so concert fun. that's an awesome one uh, I, How uh, old was your dad? Oh, he must have. I mean, younger than I am now. He must have been 40, 43, right? 44. Yeah, he's an old folk guy. So, um, I mean, probably my first concert, my actual concert that I was dragged to was Joan Baez. Uh, so you can imagine I was yeah, really right. enjoying ACDC. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, people just aged more. I mean, like, my dad was, my dad was 39 when I left for college. And like, you know, he was like, when he was 50, I mean, he was, he was like old school 50. Like he wasn't yeah. having, he wasn't like having a podcast or like, you know, you know, the music I remember, like people aged so much more quickly, oh, just you know, a couple of generations long, was, ago. My dad was 25 oh. when I was born. So he, he must have, he was 35 or 36. He was really yeah. pretty young. But yeah, he been, was a bridge too far for him. He for should sure. have that been able to roll out. with that a little bit better at 36. Yeah. Well, That's I think, awesome. dude, I mean, if I brought my kids to a concert and somebody puked on my shoes, I would have been out on the experience for sure. I would have been a minus. Right, sure. but who's, who's the artist where if your kid took you to a, that concert right now, you would feel way out of place? Oh, like I can you would have name this. And it's not because, like, so I go to Bonnaroo every year, so I'm used to being around right, a bunch right. of kids. Um, last year's headliner at Bonnaroo was Post Malone, who I just, I don't care for him. I, I think his, yeah. I, I just don't like him. Right. My daughter um, loves him. And them. so Dolly and her buddy yeah. Maya were super amped and they went and they were like, you know, got in front. They were in the pit. They saw the whole thing. Jeff and I kind of lingered off to the side. Yeah. It sounded, it sounded better. I thought he was going to be drunk and horrible. He was professional. Yeah. Okay. Um, those songs are not good. Uh, I mean, we'll get to this when we get to the thousands, but yeah, I'm out on white guys mumbling about sadness. That's not for me. Okay. We're in on white guys yelling about inappropriate behavior. Oh, we're yeah, down no, sure. on white guys. Well, dude, I chose Back in Black because, you know, for, uh, you shook me all night long. Believe me, when yeah. I was 10 or 11, I was like, is that what it's really like? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. That's so, so now funny. That I, now that I'm an older person, I know Back in Black speaks to me much more. Yeah, because you shook me all night long. Who wants all night long? You shook me really professionally for 11 and a half minutes. <laughs> now let's get some sleep. <laughs> All right. The podcast is this is going to be our longest one yet, but luckily it's chock full of great information and good times. But let's get to my pick. Usually at this point I say, oh, nice try guys, but I actually have the best pick of the year. I don't have that confidence tonight. Um, here are the three songs that I'm dealing with. Oh. 
Are you going to allow well, us to weigh in? Are we, uh, what's the, are no, you just, uh, are you doing no, bronze, the, silver, and gold? Like what's the story the, here? The bra I've decided what's going to win. Okay. Uh, I asked my buddy, Jeff Matee, and he, out of these four said, oh, once in a lifetime by the talking heads, incredible song. So great. And I agree with him, but Jeff Simons don't plug that in. Cause that's not the winner. And then my, I would have been, by the way, I would have given that, I would have, that would have been a, a ridicule free pick. I love that song. Oh, that's a great well, song. And it's the video great, is banging. Great Hilarious. song, great video. Uh, get, your, get your ridiculing chops ready. Uh, I talked to Big Daddy Mike Devlin and because uh, my, my other choice was this, the silver medal winner, Let My Love Open the Door by Pete Townsend. Great song. But I got dragged last week because you guys don't like Van Morrison. Well, there's a new kid on the Irish block, and his name is Bono. I Will Follow by U2. like one of those things where you have a choice to make and you write them down on index cards and you go into a dark room like a post-it note yeah like a post-it note and uh, i think i just did that and i'm so happy with my choice once it started playing i was like oh yeah i love this song i love this band i'm gonna pick them again uh with rattle and hum uh but for right now i'm excited rattle and hum Sorry, sorry. I'm sure it's going to be great. I'm sure you picked a great song. That's a tough song. get, man. You don't want to skip over the stuff between here and Rattle and Hum. <laughs> We're going to hear from them again from me between now and Rattle and Hum. They're, that, don't worry. You know, I have, I have the wrong album, but I'm still offended by your reaction. <laughs> Rattle and Hum is such a rough record, man. <laughs> this is a great uh, choice. Uh, this is a great choice. Keep going. It, well, I'm, I'm just, no I'm, ridicule I'm, coming. I am interested in what you're going to tell me as the punk scene matures and and Bono and the boys are playing in in Dublin clubs. Are they influenced by that punk scene? Because it seems like they have uh, a more worthwhile agenda than, say, Johnny Rotten. A worthwhile agenda? What do you mean? Like they're they're, because they're good Catholic boys who almost leave the band (laughs) to become missionaries in 1981? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I mean. So what I love about, first of all, all of us pick songs I absolutely love. Like I like your your bronze silver picks. I love yeah, Back yeah. in Black. Like this was a 
Uh, it's, I'm wondering if this is the start of a trend that as we are all now suddenly picking songs that we were aware of oh, in the moment, if we're going to yeah. start to see more agreement, I want to keep an eye on that. But uh, um, what I love about you two is that they can barely play when they get this first record contract. Like, I don't know if you've heard the demos or the, or the singles that no, came out before boy. Like, I mean, if they didn't have Mullen on drums, I mean, they can all barely play the edge. Can, the edge can barely play. Clayton can't play at all yet. Like he's just Wait, thumping. Did didn't no, Bono? I, I, I disagree with that. I think that oh, I, they could barely. And Bono's like pitchy. Edge, the, that bass sound is the same. That he just plays yeah. one note the whole time, and I don't mean that as criticism. That's yeah, great. but it That's took the, it took him a million takes to get it to go like instead of. I mean, he has terrible. And I saw you two in 2017, and Clayton got lost playing with the with the out. You slipped a beat, and like. They literally were waving across the stadium stage at him like, D, A. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I mean, it was like watching high school kids try to play with or without you. But, but I, there's something so um, earnest and remarkable and energetic. Like they are, they, I, I believe everything they say they believe while U2 is playing. And then right, I'll admit right. that I find them a little silly now, but uh, I'm, I totally get caught up in their thing and I love, I will follow. And you know, you've written a great song when you can open your show for 40 years with the same song. Right. Like, I will follow is the first or second song every night that band plays since 1980. That's pretty impressive. Pretty amazing. But so yeah, great pick. I love, love that song. Um, yeah, it's a great selection and it's a great, it's a great, like it's the first great U2 song. There's no doubt about that. I will say, I don't like Boy that much, like the record's yeah. mixed. And actually right. listening to it here, it reminded me, um, and we'll get to this with the later stuff. Uh, basically, before there's a thing called a digital delay that you use on the guitar, and that's the sound huh. of the edge in the later records. Yeah. And he's so much better once he gets that delay going. Like, What's a digital uh, delay? Uh, oh. So you know how when like with or without you or like any song on that record, here, 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 he plays one it. note and it repeats and it loops okay. on top of itself. Here's the here's the perfect example uh, from Why. Oh yeah, perfect. 1980 would have so, been ding 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 so ding, it, ding 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 ding. So it sounds <laughs> like he's finger picking really fast, but he's not. Basically, he's got this delay that repeats the note again at a at a at an amount that he chooses, and it's the rhythm oh. of the song is that he chooses it at. So it loops yeah. on top of itself. So like with or without uh, you is a slower digital delay, but it's okay. the same concept, and it fills in the sound, and it's beautiful and spectacular, and he's. Like, I mean, a bunch of other people used it, but he's the guy. He's the guy yeah. who basically popularized it and made it and found the artistry in it. Well, um, I remember and so it's funny to hear these songs that don't have it. Like, it's when, yeah. when, we, when I heard I Will Follow, huh. I was like, oh, when's he right. going to start doing that? And I was like, oh, yeah, right. He, he's you not doing it yet. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Uh, so he, has, he hasn't changer. learned it yet. Is what no, it doesn't even exist yet. Yeah, like, it hasn't existed yet. Oh, they're one wow. of the first people. It's the new technology, and they get on top of it. Um, and that makes a big difference for their sound, for sure. Actually, The Edge is not unlike uh, The Who in the sense that The Who are the first band to get a synthesizer and not just make it go, but actually make a, uh -huh. a loop that you can make into music. And The Edge is the first guy to get that guitar riff and realize, oh, this isn't just a silly game. I can base the whole, the whole song around it.
And uh, once he starts doing that, they like. And he's doing that with his feet. Uh, no, you set the How's pedal. Well, yeah, you set the you set the pedal, and then yeah, you you play, and then you click the pedal, and it it loops the sound back, and then you can play over the top of it while it's looping. So if you repeat the figure while you have it repeating, then you and you do it slightly off top at tempo, you can get that really fast. Um, it's actually yeah, what's funny is once you figure it out, it's really easy. Like yeah, it's not it, great. If you spend like an hour with the pedal, you can sound just like him. And it's also fun as hell. Like it's fun to like, you know, hey, listen to me, play with my, myself. You know, it's very <laughs> solipsistic in that respect. So. All right, gentlemen, that is it. We are out of time. Um, I have a quick question. Like, are you limited to how many times you go to Ireland for music? I am not. Um, okay. I, I'm just limited by artist. Okay. So thank you. Um, I so can't wait. Two water boys or what else? I mean, I don't even know what else. We're oh, gonna I'm, I, I'm very oh, nervous. We've got about the water what... boys coming. Um, oh, Jesus. I, and... I, th I think you need to prepare yourself uh, for goodbye. Ruby Tuesday by the cores. Uh, Cause that's coming. That's not true. <laughs> that you, that now you're just being mean. <laughs> hey, 81. I don't know if you've looked ahead. 81's another banger. We're going to have a good time. All right. Lots of good music. Until next week. Thanks for listening to 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. We're part of the Drive-In Podcast Network, where you can find so many podcasts for your listening needs. And find us on Twitter at 50 Years of Music. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric acid. Electric acid.